first thing I have to say, vote. Everybody vote. Get out there. Make your voice heard. Vote, 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 please. Welcome to the Lenses Podcast. special election episode of the Lenses podcast. I'm thrilled to have five of our former guests returning to share their collective thoughts on the elections currently underway and culminating in just over a week from now. We have Danielle Estelle Ramsey from episode number four, Rebecca Rossi from episodes five and 11, Joel Rodriguez from episode six, Brittany Lovely from episode number seven, and Fitz Emerald Fitzpatrick from episode number eight. I have my own strong feelings about the upcoming election results, but I wanted to hear from friends who do not share the same lenses I do. After all, that is what the Lenses podcast is about. I wanted to know how they see the current elections through their unique lenses. Amongst them, we have representations from the queer communities the Black, Latinx, Polynesian, Asian, and white communities, agnostics, atheists, Christian, and the witchcraft communities. We have pastors and pagans represented, lesbians and straight, men, women, and non-binary friends. We have Americans and those hoping to be so soon. I wanted to hear from them. I wanted to know what a strange, sordid election looks like through their eyes through their lenses. I wanted to know what was at stake for them. I asked each of them the same five questions. What outcomes are you most interested in? And not necessarily a specific candidate related. What outcome are you most concerned with? Are you hopeful for this election? Why or why not? What is at stake for you both personally and your community in this election? And what is the one thing You want people to consider this election more than anything else. Their responses moved me, and I trust they will do the same for you. The first question I have is what outcome are you most interested in in this election? To be honest, I'm most interested in the Washington gubernatorial election, the election for governor. Uh, Although we are a blue state, my uncle, uh, by marriage, is the Republican nominee, Lauren Culp, running on a platform that I don't think I have a single issue I agree with him on. So no, I am not voting for him although about half my family is uh, on both sides. And while he doesn't have a big shot, it's certainly been interesting to uh, drive around and see the signs with his name everywhere since I live in, you know, Trump Nation in conservative central Washington. 
I'm very interested to see how, how that plays out, hopefully not in his favor. Uh, the outcome I'm most interested in in this election um, really is a peaceful transfer of power. I'm hoping for progressive candidates to win. I'm hoping for the Democratic nominee Joe Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris <clears throat> to win the presidential election. And I'm hoping that that happens in a way that allows for our institutions to kick back in in the way that we're more used to and allows um, our democracy to move forward um, and begin to, to take care of some of the more pressing issues that we need to deal with right now. Um, what I hope about this election or after is that people can learn from their mistakes in the past and put dignity in life above any political interest. With the results of the last election, this country showed to the world that uh, it's very far from being taken seriously, politically and socially. The world looks more to this nation using the brute force more than human conscience and intelligence in some cases. I'm not generalizing, of course, but... We should think and read more about foreign policy of our country in the same way that we know it's domestic policy. Um, what outcome I am most interested in is avoiding keeping this administration in the office for another four years. Um, with that being said, I'm not like a huge Biden fan. I'm not. Like, I'm really not excited about this year's ticket. Our two-party system has really just become a vote for necessity, like vote for the lesser of two evils. So really, the only outcome that I'm interested in is not Trump. <laughs> like, that's, that's the outcome. As far as, like, policies and stuff, I would really like protections in place, and I would like a person in office who is willing to listen to the population that has been left behind and to the population that um, rights are being stripped away from in this current administration. I think that the, the outcomes of allowing this president to stay in office another four years could be detrimental to so many people, not only so many people, but to our democracy itself. I think that he's dangerous and that America is in a worse place for sure. So any longer, <laughs> any longer with him in power um, is dangerous for us. And by us, I mean our country and all underrepresented populations in our country. Second question, what outcome are you most concerned with? So what outcome are you the most interested in slash what outcome are you the most concerned with? Um, and I think I am like probably most people, I am super concerned about the outcome of the presidential election. And, you know, I feel like right now we are faced with a crisis of safety for so many people who live here and for those who are not affected 
in that way in this crisis of safety. Um, we are presented with an intense crisis of values. And so that's the outcome I'm interested in is are we going to be working toward a more full, more honest, more authentic expression of democracy or are we going to be fighting fascism for another four years? Like many, I'm very concerned with the outcome of the presidential election. It has wide sweeping repercussions for our planet, our democracy, our freedom, not to be too dramatic. And I'm also concerned with the Senate election. I think things could be uh, things could change dramatically if we're able to flip the Senate. So I'm concerned that that happens. I don't have really any control over that in Washington. We already have two Democratic senators. Um, but I'm interested to see how that plays out across the country. I think my biggest concern is that either the Trump administration will win the vote in some way or the outcome will be such that it's a challengeable outcome and then that the administration will use the opportunity to stay in power rather than peacefully transfer power. And I feel like there are any number of ways that they have been kind of strategically setting up the path for, for that outcome, and that is very concerning to me. More so because I feel like that will be a serious blow to the functioning of our government, and I think that we actually have a pretty good system of government that has served us well as a country. Not that it couldn't use some tweaks, not that there aren't inequities or injustices, but um, we do have a system of checks and balance that has functioned you know, fairly well as far as maintaining peace and order to some degree um, for a number of years. So I, I feel like this is an election where we could, for the first time in my lifetime, see that really drastically change uh, the way in which our leaders come to power and remain in power. Um, and that is uh, kind of frightening. The outcome that most concerns me is that the most liar of the two could win. And of course, that people have not learned anything from this experience and from everything that is left today. Um, I am concerned about the outcome of another four years with this administration. I honestly forgot what it, I mean, like it feels, it feels funny to say this, but I have, it's hard to remember what it felt like to have an eloquent and caring president, somebody who supported all of us and who um, really listened to the people. It feels strange to watch these speeches where there is no concern for, there's no concern for like the American people coming together. There's no concern for unity. There's no concern for the underrepresented populations. So it's hard for me to imagine another four years of this escalation and this large portion of our country being left behind or a rise in hatred. It just, I mean, it's scary. That stuff is scary. So that is definitely my main concern for this election. Question three, are you hopeful for this election at all? Why or why not? I would say I am cautiously hopeful. In 2016, 
the day after the election, I walked around in a daze. I was horrified. I was betrayed. I was not the only person feeling this way, but I was shocked. If Donald Trump wins again, I will not be as shocked as I was in 2016. I can't be. It was too painful. That said, I'm encouraged by the activism that I've seen and the number of people I know who abstained from voting or voted third party who are voting for Joe Biden this year. I hope that remains something people uh, continue to do who chose to abstain or not vote uh, or vote third party in 2016. I am hopeful, though. I, I feel like there's a lot of energy. I feel like people understand the gravity of this election. Um, I feel like uh, more than not, people want to do um, good by each other. Um, and I'm hoping that that is what happens. Um, in this vote, it's going to be really challenging. Uh, there have been, you know, years-long, decades-long efforts of voter suppression in our country. This isn't a new thing. It isn't related to Donald Trump. It's, you know, a strategy that's been in place for decades, pretty much most of my life, um, through the Republican Party and any number of political operatives that tend to work um, for the Republican Party. Um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, it's challenging to vote in, in America, and this year it's going to be even more challenging because of the pandemic and um, because of the work that the Trump administration has done to undermine um, public faith in voting at a distance in any kind of way. So I, I definitely have those concerns, but I feel like uh, there's a lot of hope and people are invested and people are turning out and showing up, and um, so I'm hoping we can pull that off. I am hopeful for one part and not for another. I am hopeful because I believe like people can do a difference um, in learning from its experience. But I'm not at the same time because I see that we still do to do more in every aspect of the society. And that's a hard work to do. Um, we need to, to be in solidarity with, with, with each other to, to participate, to get involved in the struggles for justice. So uh, I believe, yes, I'm, I'm a hopeful so, to, so people can do the right decision. But at the same time, I know that it's, it's still far more to do. What I'm hopeful for is um, more engagement in democracy. I'm hopeful that this is bringing people out and allowing people to see that there's value in their voice and that they need to be out here speaking, engaging with, um, sharing, or just voting. Like, I mean, the most fundamental part of our democracy is people engaging with it and, I mean, really getting out there and getting involved. But we, I mean, voter turnout has always been low, um, especially for communities who feel underrepresented. So I'm just really hopeful that people feel the urgency and really do, I mean, start engaging our democracy. I'm hopeful that people 
realize how important it is to pay attention to policy and to pay attention to, I mean, not even just at the federal level. I mean, all the way down to local elections. This is like the time to get involved. I feel, um, I mean, I guess we always feel like now is the most urgent, but to me it feels very pressing. (laughs) So I'm just really hoping that um, other people share that sentiment. Are you hopeful for this election? Why or why not? I am hopeful for this election. And I don't see hope as an emotion. I see hope as a, uh, as a, as more of a state and as a set of actions and as an, or as a, as a moral and spiritual orientation. Um, and so I am kind of a terminal optimist, um, but I've had plenty of reasons in my life to not be optimistic and not be hopeful. And I find that hope is, is an, is an antidote to so many things. So I'm hopeful on purpose, I guess, because I have to be, because that is who I am. I will be hopeful. Um, but I'm also hopeful because I've, as many people as I've seen, you know, not, not live up to, you know, the good, the good values of this of of this country. Um, as many people have I've seen, be hateful and be cruel and be fear based. I've also seen a lot of people this year, you know, wake up to the realities beyond this election um, in a way that. I never expected. Um, I think the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd, these are things that have activated so many people um, and plugged so many people into um, their communities and into a larger movement that really goes beyond this this moment. Um, and so my you know gaze for hope is on the long term past this election um and even in that I'm hopeful for this election and hopeful that a lot of that the majority of people are good-hearted people who just need to be moved a little bit toward doing the right thing I think that there's a lot of those people that exist question four what's at stake for you both personally and your community in this election It feels like everything is at stake. My right to healthcare as a woman is up for grabs. As a queer person married to an opposite gender partner, I'm privileged that my marriage isn't up for grabs. But so many of my queer friends feel that theirs is. The fate of people of my Mexican heritage is up for grabs. What's at stake? Basic human rights are at stake. Democracy is at stake. Everything we say we believe in seems to be at stake. Uh, I said earlier that I feel like our system of governance is at stake. And while it doesn't always function perfectly for everyone, um, it has been a good system. It has been a system that's allowed progress, that where we've made you know really significant strides in human rights. We've been able to 
protect people, provide a high level of services to communities in the country. Um, you know, America has been very successful over my lifetime in, in a variety of ways. And um, I feel like that is at stake to some, to some degree, uh, not to be hyperbolic, but this is really the first time in, in my lifetime and in recent history that a president has not committed to a peaceful transfer of power. And so um, I think we look a lot different at the end of another four year term as far as the functioning of our systems and governance, and that worries me um, for how we will be represented and how we will function as a country and who um, we will function for. So, I mean, there's a lot of things at stake personally for me as a woman, for me as a lesbian, um, you know, been concerned about the way Republicans have filled the courts. Um, over the last number of years. Again, I feel like that's a long-term strategy, not just with this president. Um, and that um, those courts are set up uh, to rule in ways that would directly impact my personal rights, uh, human rights, my bodily integrity, that of my daughter and all of the women that I know. Um, and that is really concerning to me. Um, I'm also concerned about um, my marriage and having that right continue. Uh, it's kind of scary to be facing a world in which uh, the court may overturn our right to be spouses. Um, so that is definitely at stake in my mind, especially with the Supreme Court hearings that are going on and the rushing through of um, Amy Coney Barrett um, into uh, Justice Ginsburg's seat. So definitely that is concerning. What is at stake for me and my family, as the same for many migrant people, it's um, the, the safety, the, the security for our families, for our beloved ones. It's very uncertain and, and the same for all the minorities and, 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 and the ethnic groups. Um, the supremacism in this country is real. There are groups that are extremists. Um, supremacists and they still are still in our communities and, and unfortunately nobody says anything about them especially from the state from the government so that really concerns me uh, the, the, for the rhetoric of hate um, people still uh, thinking in, in their minds that they can own the world and they can do whatever they, they they want because they have a leader that allows them to do so. So yes, of course there is a concern, especially for, for the most vulnerable people about everything. And me as a pastor, uh, that's, my, that's my first thought, my family and my community, uh, because uh, I know how difficult is for 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 people for us for vulnerable people to to stand a chance against a huge system that confront us that uh, that hates us and 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 still looking at us as people of third class. So black people have been fighting this fight for. I mean, since the beginning of America, people want equity. My people want safety. My people want justice. My people want to be represented. 
and I believe that that's at stake. I don't feel that we are represented by this administration and positions of power have historically been held by the majority, white, cisgendered, able-bodied, wealthy males who don't identify or understand much about the plight of the black community. So I think that that's at stake right now. I think that not that Biden would ever understand that, but he's more willing to listen, I suppose. Um, But I also think that like local elections and all of that, we need to understand what we're fighting for. Like who is going to look at the criminal justice system and or the criminal legal system and put it under a microscope and be willing to hear out the cries of those who feel like there have been, I mean, a century-long list of injustices that we need to correct. It's just like, it's so frustrating to feel that you can scream the same thing over and over and over again and people don't hear you or refuse to hear you. So I feel like that's at stake. I feel like this election could be a place where we choose to make change or um, somewhere where we're just supporting the status quo. So I think like this is a choice that people get to make and a lot's on the line. As a a queer non-binary person, (laughs) I feel like some ways my existence is at stake. You know, uh, Trump, what he signed an executive order, I think it was, saying that basically the people of my gender do not exist. Um, This is just a very tiny form of what is largely genocidal action on his part. Um, So I feel like my safety in terms of moving about my country is really at stake. And like four more years of Trump means not leaving Washington for me, um, staying where I'm safe. And that's wild. Um, So I feel like my safety is at stake. But even bigger than that, I feel like the lives of the lives of everyone affected by COVID, the lives of people surviving in ice camps, in ice concentration camps right now, their lives are at stake and their lives are really uh, weighing on my heart. And I think about them uh, daily. And I feel like beyond my own safety that's at stake, I feel like my, my values are also at stake. And I feel like, yeah, basically my safety and my my values of what community means and what this country can be are at stake. And the fifth and last question, what's the one thing that you want people to consider in this election more than anything else? I want people to consider voting in the interests of people who are different than you. If nothing is at stake for you in this election, consider what is at stake for others. If this doesn't concern you, then you are privileged. Use your privilege. Understand that your voice for those who have less privilege than you matters. And to progressives, 
who are on the fence about Joe and Kamala, they're not my favorites either. But they are our only hope. So settle for them. Settle for them. We may never have the chance again if we don't do it now. I think I'd like people to consider, uh, especially people who don't feel like this will affect their lives, that this election won't really impact their lives, that they don't see a path where a lot changes for them in material ways, um, to think about if that weren't the case. So, um, you know, to consider the idea that your, um, you know, marriage could suddenly be dissolved by a court that doesn't have anything to do with you or your personal choices or your, um, you and your spouse at all. Uh, it's this arbitrary kind of decision that could be made by a higher court that could affect, you know, your financial well-being, uh, medical decisions, all kinds of things. Um, so, you know, um, considering that courts could make decisions about your bodily integrity in any number of ways, whether that is, you know, where you live, um, how you can take care of your body, what medical care you can access. I think thinking in terms of who, even if it won't be you, there are people in your life and people that you love that will be dramatically affected by the policies um, and by the changes that another four years could bring. Um, and so really thinking in terms of, you know, voting for the people who are in most danger, um, using your vote to do your best to protect those communities and those people that you love. I would like to, the, the people can consider, and please listen very clear to me. I will try to explain the best I can. Um, people, you need to understand that uh, taking or removing or putting away a candidate or, or, or in this case, taking away the president, it won't solve the, the real problem we have, the real issues that we are dealing with. People uh, probably in these elections are just focusing or, on taking away a, a, a character, but it's not just like that. It's, it's not replacing uh, pieces that we, we will solve the deepest problems that our society has. It's deepest from their, their base, their columns. Um, and that's why, that's what I, I ask you, to think about the real changes that is not only from the vote, it's not only just from removing a guy or from, from the, 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 the White House. It's, it's not like that. Uh, we need to have in consideration that working towards a, a society that is equal, that is just, that is justice with all, requires a great amount of effort, of sensibility, of humanity, of taking away our privileges or use them for the good and the commonwealth of every human being and every creature in this world, in our society. So um, it takes a lot more than that. I don't want people to assimilate and other cultures. I, I, I would like for you to understand that uh, it's not necessary to assimilate, but to integrate others in this great family because together we are stronger and, and not stronger to oppress, stronger to live, stronger to have dignity 
stronger to 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 be in solidarity for the common of my neighbor and of course for ourselves so it's about the practice of solidarity and this is something that is very important to understand it's not by removing a character from the position of power it's by us changing our ways and also choosing wisely and and have our mind and heart always thinking not in terms of a individual but a, a, a wide collective of people in community that's my 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 challenge to you and 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 thank you for for this wonderful opportunity always to listen to to us god bless you i think that for me the one thing that i would like people to consider for this election more than anything else is people other than themselves i would like people to consider what this country i guess what the experience is for others in this country not just what or how you experience this country or how your experience has been in your community but what do you think other people are experiencing stop discounting other people's stories stop discounting or choosing to ignore cries for help or fears and really just take that into account in this election. Take it into account in your, I mean, even in your daily lives, if somebody is uncomfortable with something, hear them out. Why not? What does that do to you? If we could honestly love our neighbors like we do ourselves, if we could honestly be there for one another and put our communities first, um, all this division could definitely subside. Like we could find, I, I mean, the values that are underlying our all of our policies. Like we, we can all agree on the values underneath the policy, right? I hear a lot of people like shouting like freedom, right? We They're worried about their freedoms being taken away. And then on the other side, people are shouting, my freedom's have been taken away like I don't have the same freedoms but the underlying value there is freedom so like hear people out um please consider your position in history please consider the power that you hold and I guess consider um that power is definitely not placed evenly I just really hope that I mean, really, people get engaged and think about one another. Think about the complaints that you've heard. Think about the cries for help. And think about the country that you want to live in. I have two, I guess. I can't really pick one. Um, the first is that no... Mm, the first is... <laughs> When I hear people say that they don't want to vote for the lesser of two evils, my friend Jack had a really wonderful response to that and said, just simply said, don't you want less evil? Don't you want less evil, though? And I thought that was a beautiful <laughs> and simplistic way um, to talk about what we're up against. You know, having seen this debate, both Trump and Biden were asked if they believe that systemic racism exists and Biden said yes, but that he wasn't um, convinced really that he wanted to do uh, that he wanted to defund the police. 
That was basically his answer. And Trump's answer was no, and that all racial sensitivity training is a radical ploy from the left to destroy America. And I think that question and those answers are a perfect encapsulation of what we're looking at on the ballot. We have not good enough versus actively evil. Um, and I will totally take not not good enough when it comes to the safety of my friends, when it comes to working toward progress. I can't do that if I'm being traumatized every day. I can't do that if I'm fighting for my life, if my friends are fighting for their lives. So when faced with the lesser of two evils, don't you want less evil? And then the next, the second thing um, that I think is even more important, that whether you've, you vote, um, whether you don't vote, um, whether you vote for Biden or whether you vote third party, um, it's really important that those of us, all of us kind of on that side of the fence, that uh, we realize that ultimately we all have the same values and that this movement is much bigger than this election. Um, this is a perfect time for us to get completely divided from each other and to uh, harm each other um, and to play into the exact thing that Trump and that white supremacists want, which is for us to self-destruct. And we have, an, we have, I think, an obligation, a mandate to not self-destruct and to take care of each other um, and to stay, to stay in this together, to work toward the future we actually want to see. And we can't do that if we're blaming each other when the bigger enemy is the system. And none of us asked to be born into this, but all of us have a responsibility to fight it. Thank you for listening to this special election episode of the Lenses Podcast. Now, please, go vote. Mm-hmm.